This podcast episode talks about suicide. These are our personal stories, and we are not mental health professionals. This is not a substitute for professional medical advice and should not be relied on as health or personal advice. Hi, thank you for listening to And Life Happened. Today I am interviewing Samantha, and she is going to tell us her resiliency story about navigating life after the suicide of her spouse. Hi, Samantha. Hi, Jessica. So, Samantha, tell me your story. Okay. Um, so, I, I just first want to make sure that I say um, that I'm not going to share this story about everything before the suicide. Um, while it's an important story, it's really not my story to tell. So, I want to tell about the um, events like once a suicide happened and after, uh, because that is the story that I have to tell. I understand. Um, So um, I'll start with where it all happened. Um, On November 1st, um, I was a mama for three weeks, um, and my husband uh, looked at me. It was early in the morning. He looked at me, and he touched my shoulder. I was holding our daughter. Uh, and he said, you're a great mom. Um, and I, I remember just like looking at him kind of half cocking my smile because I just didn't feel like it. She just kept crying and I wasn't sure what to do. Um, and he walked away from me and that's when he took his life. Um, that's an important part of my story. Uh, because there's a lot that hinges on my momness um, that kind of helped me to survive. Um, I then for the next three months probably went into like I was a robot. I was living in survival mode. Um, I was just trying to figure out how to keep keep it all together uh planning Mm -hmm. a funeral um that required transportation because I wanted to make sure that he could go back to his hometown um and that takes a lot of time to be able to Mm -hmm. do all of that uh traveling there you know I have this brand new baby um I have everybody who's trying to tell me that I need to move home uh but very much feeling like I need to stay in this home that we bu- we built together literally that we built together um and 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 being there um so I just did everything I I, I can't even really tell you what happened in that three months I don't know that three months of my daughter's life I look at pictures um and part of me is super sad about that because I have no clue I just mm-hmm. I I knew I had to get up. I knew I had to take care of her. Uh, I was fortunate that I didn't have to work um, because I had extended leave that I was able to tap into. um, And I just kind of operated um, trying to take care of her, trying to, to take care of myself enough that I could make sure that she was going to uh, be able to grow um, as any newborn needs to do. 
Um, and then after those three months, I hit uh, like a brick wall. It's kind of like everything, all of a sudden, the um, survival mode that you've been operating in, all of a sudden you start feeling everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, I felt it. I felt it all in a big way. Um, and it got dark. I had a lot of really dark moments. Um, things that I, you know, like just thoughts that I never thought I would have. And knowing that um, I somehow couldn't leave this little girl without both of her parents. That had to be incredible, an incredible weight. It, it was, it was. I, and I remember, you know, there's so much fear surrounding that. Like, um, you know, because I was in such a dark place and... Mm-hmm. Um, having just gone through somebody who was in an equally dark spot um, and decided that the only way out, the only way to to survive was to not live. Um, I'm being worried about that. You know, what if, what if I did that? What if, and, and didn't really realize it, you know, what if, um, mm-hmm. it, and even to the fact of like, what if I died in my sleep? How long would she cry before somebody realized they needed to check on her? Um, all of those things that just kind of swirl and it was hard and heavy. And um, I'm sure. Yeah. So what did you do in those moments? What got you uh, through? You know, I'm, I'm going to, one of the first things, I didn't want to go on medication um, because I felt like that would not allow me to heal. Um, and I'd had some negative viewpoints about that. And medication works wonders for people, right? But um, it didn't work well for my husband. And so for mm-hmm. me, I was like, I need to figure out how to do this on my own, but not on my own. Um, I knew I needed help. I needed help because I couldn't, live in this place you know um Mm -hmm. and so I started looking for therapists I I went to so many who were just so intrigued about the minutiae details and and I couldn't figure that out because I needed healing right like I needed to figure out how to heal um and I needed you to focus on me and this was all happening in one session where I would sit and I'm like this is not right Mm. um and I just, I, like, I remember at one point being like, I am never going to find a therapist. How am I, I, I need help. I need help and I don't know how to do this alone. And I need somebody who, who has the capability of doing that. And I remember calling up this one person, uh, my insurance, she didn't take insurance, um, but also knowing that my mental health, it was worth, worth whatever cost I needed to figure out how to make it happen, right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um. And I called her up and I said, okay, here's my story. I need to know if you can deal with it. 
I need to know if you're comfortable with it and if you can help me. And if you can't, I need you to say something right now. I don't want to waste my time. I don't want to come in if, if that's not something that's in your wheelhouse. Um, and, and she was like, no, no, I, I'm experienced with this, you know, and I, I don't know where I'd be without her. Like she, I, I saw her every single week. Um, and she was just my comfort place, my, Mm -hmm. my place where I know I could admit anything and it was going to be accepted and valued and um she just really helped me to find me um and that's a huge part of my story and one that uh I hope others can really hear and take something from right um I tell people all the time now please don't stop if you go to a therapist don't stop if the first one's not for you Mm -hmm. keep fighting for your mental health uh keep looking because the first one might not be right and neither may be the second or the third or the fourth um but your mental health is worth it it is like finding the right doctor it's like finding your spouse it's like finding you know it's like any of those important relationships that you're going to form you need to find the right one and so continuing to push through and just because my right one is the right one for me doesn't mean I, I can recommend you that same person and it doesn't mean it's going to be your right one. So just understanding that um, sometimes it takes time and to keep fighting for that because that's important. That is incredible advice. Thank you for sharing that because I know how hard it is to even get in to see somebody and then you mm-hmm. get in and go, oh, you know what? This person's not helping me. But you might feel stuck, and I love that you shared that you kept fighting for yourself. That is so incredible. Thank you. It, um, you know, it, for me, it was a realization. Like I can keep that was my fight for myself because my, otherwise, I was I was giving up. Like I was giving up, and I don't know. You know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and. I like that you compared it to um, finding a doctor or choosing a spouse because we often don't even interview doctors. We just pick one. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And a therapist is equally important. You're telling them everything Mm -hmm. if you're comfortable. Thank you for sharing that. So what other um, pieces of resiliency, like what other things helped you to maintain or discover your resiliency during that time with the therapist, after the therapist, before any, you know, what are little tidbits that helped you? You know, um, I have always been a people pleaser. (laughs) Mm. Um, And, and I started out when I was in robot mode, I was very much still people pleasing. I was mm-hmm. doing things people wanted me to do. I was, um, you know, doing all of those things, except for moving home. That was the one thing where I stood my ground and it was like, no, I am not moving home. I'm not happy there. I need to stay next to the water. The water is my soul. It's my safe place. Um mm-hmm. But in a lot of other ways, I was I was very much people pleasing. 
Um, and, and I can remember a time where I thought I wanted to do something and so I was doing it and then on my way I got a flat tire Mm -hmm. Um, and it was like an awakening for me realizing that I didn't want to sit in the car for 11 hours with a baby by myself you know what I mean like what am I doing And and I remember like this flat tire here I am somewhere I don't know where I'm at and it's scary I can't figure out what to do you know I've got a baby and I've got dogs in the car it's like everything's loaded up and I'm I'm stuck um and it's taking forever to get a tow truck to come and help me and the tow truck driver comes and he's like oh you know this is you're gonna have to stay overnight to do this and um but don't stay where here where you've got a flat tire Mm. (laughs) you need to drive to the next place over and I'm like what and I remember being so scared and so like like what is I remember just like stepping back and being like what is going on in my life and realizing like why am I putting myself in situations where I don't feel safe or where there's opportunities for me to not feel safe right now, right? Like, mm-hmm. I already don't feel safe about a lot of things right now. And then I'm going to drive 11 hours with a baby with dogs after getting my tire changed. Like, no, like, what am I doing? Um, which was, a, it was like a life-changing moment for me and realizing that I needed to start making decisions for myself, um, that whatever I was going to do, it was going to be on my time schedule and it was going to be what I knew what was right for me and for Livy. And I didn't always know what right meant. Right. But just really starting to say like, whatever I'm feeling, don't talk yourself out of it. Just do it. Like whatever, you know, if, if there's this inkling of, am I sure I want to do that? Don't do it. Right. Like just mm-hmm. a, like a, I needed to start taking back me Um, and that's how like I started to feel like I I need me if I'm going to be anybody for this little human (laughs) I need me and I need to figure out who that is and I need to make decisions for her so that she can make decisions for a little human Um, and And that meant things like, okay, now I'm going to throw away his toothbrush. And that sounds so small. Um, But finally, looking at it, picking it up, taking it to the trash can. And I can still remember, like I remember dropping it in and being so scared in that moment. Because, ew, you don't take a toothbrush out of the trash can. Um, (laughs) and, And like, oh my gosh, I'm losing him. I'm losing right. him. Um, but realizing afterwards, like all of a sudden I felt this weight off my shoulders and realizing like you, you did the right thing, right? Like you, you did the right thing. Selling his truck, like everything. Like when I, when I decided, okay, I'm ready to do this, just taking that next step and doing it. And doing it so it's right for me and not right for everyone else. Yeah. You took back your power and I you listened to your instincts. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And something you touched on was how important that was to model for your daughter. Mm-hmm. Because then she can grow up to also listen to her instincts and put herself first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm so grateful that you had that flat tire. <laughs> you might not be, but <laughs> I but am I'm now. So grateful. Yeah. <laughs> Those little moments. It's, it, you know what, and those little moments are actually gigantic moments, um, gigantic moments in the grand scheme of thing of like really mm-hmm. finding yourself and figuring out how to push, right? Like when it gets right. ugly and yucky and like, how can I keep pushing? So let's talk about that. Let's talk about um small steps and knowing when to push how did you continue moving forward but also on what timeline um so you know i think i didn't always move forward actually i don't even think i i know i didn't always move forward there were times mm-hmm. where it was really really important for me to move backwards uh, because to heal I had to step back um, mm. or to heal I had to step to the side like step right. away from it like okay mm-hmm. now I'm ready to get back in it um, but to to be able to be in the place where I am now which is forward right there was a lot of sometimes I don't know I was like dancing in a circle or doing the box step you know what I mean like Mm -hmm. (laughs) just kind of stationary um and and really becoming okay with that that it was okay if I needed to step backward. It was okay for me to feel super strong about throwing his toothbrush away, but not being able to get rid of any of his clothes. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and, and just to like really something that my therapist and I ended up talking a lot about was being comfortable sitting in the emotion whatever that emotion was um and I'll be honest the water became my very safe space to do that um lots of times I knew if like I could feel when I was like gonna have one of those like huge emotional moments where it's just you just want to sit and cry right because you're not sure what to do and everything's Mm -hmm. coming at you and um and so oftentimes I would just escape I would escape to the water um and sit there and sit in the emotion because I knew it needed to happen if I was ever gonna get out of the box step I was doing at that current timeline like of my life I needed to sit in it and just kind of be with it and be okay that I'm not okay that's important advice to share to people because I know I've seen and I've experienced when you're going through something, people expect you to be okay because they want or need you to be okay. And I'm so glad that you shared that you listened to yourself and went to the water or sat in the moment when you needed to and took side steps, back steps, diagonal steps, you know, whatever. Um, So what would you tell people 
who are being pressured to heal on a certain schedule or heal quickly. <laughs> Don't like <laughs> I like if I could tell first of all I you know what I'm going to say I um I lost a lot of friends that way or people I thought who were my friends. Mm-hmm. Um because they it was like a get over it. Mm-hmm. Get over it. I can't, I can't tell you how many times I heard, you just need to start dating somebody. You just mm. need to uh, move out of your house. You just need to do this. You just need, like everybody had their advice. Um, and I remember, I, I used to tell my therapist, I don't think I'm ever going to be nice again. <laughs> because I got to this really prickly point in my life where I would look at them <laughs> and be like, yeah, no, nope, nope. I just need you to back off. Like I just started getting to this point where people thought that they had this sage advice and they'd want to tell it to me. Mm-hmm. And I remember being like, yeah, no, nope, not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, at first, I'm going to be honest, at first when they would tell it to me, I, I was hurt. You know, when somebody says to you, it's, I don't know, five months in, you just need to start dating again. I remember, like, the hurt I felt, like, oh, oh, so so you've moved on, and so I have to move on. And that mm-hmm. way of doing that is by finding a new man to fill this hole. Wait, wait, why do I have a hole? What if this isn't a hole? Like, what if this is a part of something that's going to be like big for me and like just just hurt and and I think also like struggling with well who am I then what's my identity how do I move forward like everybody's telling me all of these things and then I just started realizing like I wanted to give him an F you you know what I mean? <laughs> like <laughs> very much wanting to tell people no go F off I like I, I don't care what you think And I started cutting people out. I started getting prickly and responding back to them, or I just would stop responding. Mm -hmm. Um, And I saw just this, you know, group. It it felt like it got smaller and smaller and smaller, but realizing that the important people were always there. Right. Um, You know, they were the ones who sat with me, like, and Mm -hmm. sat with me to listen because sometimes I needed to talk and cry um and sometimes I needed to reminisce and sometimes I needed to tell you like a decision that that had so much finality to it like I'll never blah 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 I'll always blah 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 mm-hmm. um and you could have been like okay behind my back but like the people who sat with me and like totally agreed with me in that minute knowing that, I don't know, maybe five months later I was going to change my mind and then agreeing with me in that moment, right? Like, those people were always there. It wasn't Mm -hmm. always easy to see that. Um, And, I, you know, I, I can realize looking back, there are some in particular who, just like my therapist, I don't know where I'd be without them. You know, Mm -hmm. um, my friend who 
texted me every single day to check in at the end of my day. And it wasn't like, how are you doing today? Because that's a horrible question to ask of somebody. But, um, you know, it was, what happened today? How's Livy? Like, um, what did you do that was fun? Like, what books are you reading? What, you know, that. Mm -hmm. And I don't even know if that person understands the impact of what they did. But knowing that, that that I had this fear that my daughter was going to be left alone and somebody was always checking in on me. Okay. She's not going to, if something tragic were to happen, somebody's going to know. Right. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, just having the friend next door that, that when I, I'm like, I can't, I can't take it today. And she comes and grabs your baby. Right. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't need all of those other people, but those people that were there, man, man, what they did for me to help me find myself. Absolutely. Absolutely. And something that I want to touch on in that story is that boundaries are important. Mm -hmm. It's Mm self-care and it's not mean. Mm -hmm. You've got to love yourself first. And I'm so glad that you did that. Maybe you couldn't do it in the beginning, like you said, but that you got there. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure those people who were there for you during those times, they may not know how important they were, but they love you as much as you love them. Mm-hmm. And that's what's important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to think of that as self-care. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. Because our society tells you so much other things about boundaries and how you're, you know, the things you're supposed to do and for family and for these people and these people. And um, it felt very selfish in the moment. I Not imagine. now, but mm-hmm. very selfish in the moment. I think that's important to hear, too. Because someone listening might think, oh, well, it didn't feel good to me when I did it like it did for Mm -hmm. Samantha. Maybe I shouldn't. Mm -hmm. And then you saying, it didn't feel good when I did it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Then, you know, they can sit in that and also know it's okay to put themselves first. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't, who will? Who will? You know, so um, that's important that you shared. Is there anything else that you would like to share about your journey today? Um, you know, I think suicide carries with it. I just have to share this because especially for anyone um, who who's in a similar situation, right? Suicide carries this like scarlet letter. It becomes the scarlet letter where everybody wants to define you based on the fact that your loved one committed suicide or took mm-hmm. their own life or, you know, whatever phrase um, makes you feel comfortable. Um, and, and we got to stop that. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I, And for me, like, that's become a huge reason, you know, one of my resiliency pieces was listening to other people tell their stories, right? Um, I remember running and listening, listening to podcasts and listening to, to other people's stories 
especially related to suicide because I and I kept thinking if they can do it so can I right like Mm -hmm. if they can do it so can I um and just the more we hide it uh, like under it like I you know I remember when people used to say to me um you know at a oh where's your daughter's father well he died oh how did he die um he's so young you know everybody wants to know the how and Mm -hmm. and at first feeling so ashamed and so like how do I talk to people I don't know what to say how like just getting in that realm and um you know to now to the point like uh, of being at this point where you know how did your husband die he took his life he was mentally ill he had ptsd you know um and his way to to survive was to not survive and just opening that dialogue um because being able to talk about it helped me right mm-hmm. um and so that helped build me up and, and let me know that I was going to be okay. And so I hope other people understand that too, that it's okay to talk about it. And if somebody ooh, squirmishes at the, you know, you've said suicide, you, if, if they're going to be like that, just, just like walk away. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Walk away. Well, and it's on them. We can't control other people's reactions. We can only control our own. And it's not our job to control how somebody else feels. So that's wonderful advice as well. We need to remove the stigma of being a spouse or a loved one, a family member of someone who has committed suicide or attempted suicide. Mm -hmm. There is a stigma around it. There is. That's important. Samantha, I want to share with you um, my gratitude towards you for sharing this story today and to let you know, if you didn't already know, that you are one of my resiliency role models. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you. Thank you for listening to And Life Happened. We hope you enjoyed this episode and will continue to listen to and like our podcast. If you would like to support our podcast, you can do so by sharing this with others to build our community of resilience. To stay updated on the latest information, please follow us at and underscore life happened on Instagram. If you would like to share your life happened story of resilience, please complete the form in our Instagram bio. These are our personal stories and we are not mental health professionals. This is not a substitute for professional medical advice and should not be relied on as health or personal advice. Thank you.